Welcome back. You're watching Stock Picks. And as we near the year's conclusion, today we review strong and weak accounters of the year. That's Transaction Capital, Multi-Choice, uh, Capitec, Goldfields, and ShopRite. And that's with independent analyst Jim Moyaha. Jimmy, always a pleasure. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Nolu. Nice uh, to see you again. Wonderful. Let's start off with the guys that haven't had a great chance, maybe with Transaction Capital, because they released a set of numbers yesterday and they have not had a good time uh, this year. Let's talk about uh, this counter and really just headwinds. It's, it's such a difficult conversation to have because if you think about just the news announcements that have come out of the TC stable over the last year, I mean, back at the start of the year, there was actually, I think we, we need to go back to sort of October of last year where um, directors sold off shares while the share was at three rand. They explained that differently. Then we come to the start of this year. We get uh, some numbers out. We... Uh, we see that the share price just doesn't perform well throughout the year. And I think the share price from February to now sort of lost about 70, 78, almost 80%. And then, of course, we can't ignore what happened with the uh, executive reshuffle with David Hurwitz uh, being uh, let go of and then uh, Jonathan Joyner coming back into the fold. Um, Jonathan is one of the co-founders of the company, so it would make sense that somebody with uh, that history and that um, understanding of the business, having built the business, would still step back into the fold. Um, I actually spoke to Jonathan yesterday about those results and about what the plans are for the business. And now we're hearing conversations around possible unbundlings. And I mean, you, you take a look at the, the performance of that SA taxi business, the debt on that business hasn't done well for them. Um, and I think about 24 odd billion of that debt that's sitting on the business right now is interest bearing debt. And then there's still obviously the fact that uh, taxi owners owe about 17 billion rand to uh, transaction capital or to SA Taxi and by extension to Transaction Capital. So the business really hasn't had the best time. Um, I wonder now at, at 7 Rand, 70, almost 8 Rand, if the unbundling is going to be good for the share going forward because um, when I caught up with Jonathan yesterday and we spoke about it, he made it very clear that the unbundling would be a clean unbundling, no uh, complications like with a NASPAS process stock confusion. It, was a, it would be a clean thing with a separate listing and all of that and then shareholders would get a new listing if, if that is the way it goes. And I'm thinking if that is... The one of the assets that's doing exceptionally well for you in your portfolio, and then you're just left with the SA taxi business, what does that mean for prospects of the business going forward? So interesting developments from transaction capital throughout the year. And I think nobody, if, if you had this conversation December of last year, nobody would have predicted 80% down um, for one year. Well, watching this one closely, I think for me, uh, what possibly stands out here is uh, even with the talks of restructure of uh, SA Taxi, there still isn't sufficient certainty. The share price was up, I think, just over 9% yesterday. So maybe investors are, uh, are Jimmy, <laughs> what could investors possibly be thinking? Because uh, maybe at this point, as a little retail investor myself, I'm not quite convinced uh, that the story can be turned around. So this is the thing. Even with the restructure there's still that debt that sits there that debt that's interest bearing the the fact that you in the statement say that uh, a player like santaco is essential to that sa taxi business not only as a 25 percent shareholder but as part of the restructure um and uh, i mean jonathan made it very clear that they put in more than two billion rand and they're putting in an additional almost 300 million rand now again into the business and an, a retail investor might be pressed to think but is the business not um over 
over-invested or over-committed to this conversation to the point that they have no choice but to turn it around. Um, that's the one angle to look at it from. That's uh, a very realistic uh, approach to see it from. But also the, the, the transaction capital uh, business, I remember when I had a look at the business many months ago, it, m my concern was... We Buy Cars is doing well. Okay, great, lovely. SA Taxi in debt. You might have that situation under control. Great. But from a business perspective, what other assets do you have within the portfolio? Yes, the GOMO business is now uh, there from a financing point of view. But what are you financing? You're financing taxis. You're still... Your concentration risk from a business point of view reminded me of the concentration risk we saw with Sassol when they, before they finalized that Lake Charles project and you saw the reaction to the Sassol share price when the oil price moved, right? So that kind of concentration risk could be a concern for investors. And it could be that yesterday's 10% rally was off the back of the possible unbundling news because that would then have investors saying, okay, we might be able to separate the good from the bad and be able to get out of this. This is the same conversation we've had around NASPERS process, the 10 cent unbundling, that, that conversation. A lot of, um, I mean, I think of Steinoff and Pepco and the Pepco assets being good, whereas some of the others weren't. So it's, it's, there's a history of companies where they are really good assets. And if those company, if that, those good assets are separated from the ones that might not be doing so well, it, it, we'll see how the, share, how the market receives that. Another example while I'm on that mm -hmm. is Purple Group, mm. Easy Equities versus Emperor and uh, the GT247 business. But we'll come back to that another time. Let's talk about MultiChoice. Now, MultiChoice is... In my mind, a low liquidity stock. Uh, I'm wondering, uh, you know, if that's what you're seeing on your end. But also, we've heard of like uh, them trying to beef up their streaming service and CBS. This sounds like a great story, but the markets haven't quite scooped it up. It's been one-way traffic on MultiChoice. Eh? Mm. Um, if we close out this month in the green, it'll be the first positive month they've had all year. Wow. So, actually, I stand corrected. January was a positive month, mm -hmm. but. First since February. Mm. <laughs> and I mean, to, to put it into context, the share price came from as high as 155 Rand down to 60 Rand at, at some stage. So we're looking at a company where, again, you have a pricing thing that you're dealing with, but also similar to the other examples that we just looked at, your a lot of what MultiChoice is riding on now is the Showmax revamp. They've pumped a lot of money into it. They're going to continue to pump a lot of money into it. Uh, their offshore uh, partners have come on board to support this. Um, and my thing is, and my worry, and I've spoken to MultiChoice about this mm -hmm. as well, is I've asked, what are you going to do from a price point? Because you are now competing with a Netflix and a Disney Plus whose price point in South Africa is below 250 Rand. Your average DSTV compact package starts above 300 if not okay even if we say 100 199 or whatever that is mm -hmm. your showmax subscription is competitive at 99 rand but if you're bundling it within the rest of the african offering and you're bringing in a whole new suite of products are you going to be able to still maintain that low price point or wh what becomes competitive at that point considering you're now creating sort of a stream service and yes dstv stream is something else they've tried to launch but the reality is and a lot of retail investors have expressed this from multi-choices perspective they're disappointed in the fact that you have to pay so much for a subscription and you're only really doing it for sports because it's a lot of reruns it's a lot of old content and it's not exciting content whereas if you go to netflix you do have more refreshed content i've commented about multi-choice in the past as well to say the refresh of content is needed on their bigger platforms but also if the show max bet is the the big bet it is a sensible bet it does look like a good thing that could come out of this 
But my question then becomes from a price point, how do you then compete with 150 or 190 Rand from Disney Plus and maybe say 200 Rand from a Netflix, even 250 from a Netflix? Because those two can continue to maintain that price. If you've got a higher input cost from what you're pumping in and the streaming rights that you're securing, that could affect the business. So interesting to see how that stock plays out. I remember calling the stock saying that um, I see it coming down all the way down to uh, 60. I think I said 70 Rand at the time. I did not call all the way down to 60. I think it was at 80 and I said, we can come down to 70 and I want to see what happens then. We actually went right through that all the way to almost 60 Rand a share. So going forward, going into next year, I think that Showmax business is going to be critical for them, um, the rollout of that in terms of the share price recovery. Sure. I think we'll be watching that one as well. I mean, we're all kind of connected to multi-choice in one way or another right. if you're South African. Let's talk about the good ones. ShopRite. What a year, right? Uh, record profits. I think this year was at record revenues that they uh, reported. In my mind, uh, Jimmy, ShopRite is so gone, so far gone. And I'm wondering, uh, you know, if their competitors can uh, catch up uh, with them. They really have, and I think it's owes to a good and stable management team. Uh, and so I think you know what I'm trying to say there. Uh, that has really also held ShopRite down. Uh, it's, it's so difficult to fault ShopRite at this point. In terms, and I've had this conversation with multiple analysts. I remember saying at one point um, on another show that Shoprite has turned into the blue chip of retailers, and and they really have. They've their value chain, their control, the 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 fact that the share price was below two hundred rand at some point earlier, and we are now at two hundred and sixty rand, basically about to break all time highs. We haven't been at this level since, say, 2018. I want to say the last time, yeah, there was that spike earlier in this year, but prior to that, 2018 was the last time we were here. They've really got their business in order. Those revenue numbers are looking amazing. You And this is the other thing with ShopRite, is you're comparing them to a Woolworths that bounced off of 60 Rand, didn't break above 80 Rand, and sort of held at, uh, well, sort of, topped out at 80 Rand and came all the way back down. Uh, a spa that's had management issues, to say the least, uh, 120 Rand a share there. Um, and a pick and pay that's had to get rid of a CEO, bring back a CEO who was in retirement effectively, and share prices sitting at 23 Rand there. So I've given out a stock like pick and pay as a potential stock pick because I like the discount that sits within it. Mm -hmm. But if we're going to look at performances and the fact that you're up 40% almost on uh, a shop right you cannot deny that they've had a stellar year and they've absolutely killed it it's a high base jimmy <laughs> it's a high base with shop right so i'm wondering uh, you know after the year that they've had would this be a good time to go in there not at all-time highs. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not a lack of confidence in ShopRite mm -hmm. or in ShopRite's abilities, mm -hmm. but understanding that if challenges persist and if um, macro environment... I mean, we, we don't know. The last three years have shown investors one thing. We don't know what's happening. Yes. We, we came out of a pandemic, mm -hmm. and then we went into inflation, and then we went into a war, and then we went into another war. So realistically, now is not the time to be taking a gamble at all-time highs on a stock um, unless you know something that we don't know. But the last time someone did that, we won't mention how that worked out. Yes, absolutely. Let's talk about Capitec as well. Uh, Capitec, I always, I liken it to ShopRite a little bit, maybe it's because it started in the same area. Uh, but Capitec is one of those uh, companies that has, uh, you know, just grown from strength to strength. Uh, but the banking sector in South Africa has also had a great year. So let's just talk about Capitec, also as how it relates to its competitors. You know, so this is what I like about the financial sector and the banking sector in South Africa is it is realistically 
one of the best sectors that we have in the country, but also we have banking infrastructure that is world class. That's it's not that the banks aren't trying or I mean, it's not that the banks are second to some of the offshore banks. They're not. They're really I mean, there was a point where if we had to look at the economic situation in South Africa and things around grey listing and downgrading and all of that, there was a point where the financial sector held as the glue to avoid further downgrades because of the strength and integrity of that sector. So that sector will forever be recognized as a world-class sector. And if you look at that by extension, I mean, you can look at it, whether you look at it from a central bank point of view, right through to the commercial banks. Um, much can be said around whether or not we want to look at nationalizing the banks and all of that and those political debates. But the reality is we are we managed to get inflation under control because of certain decisions that were made at the right times. Mm. And if you look at how some of the other stocks have performed, you look at stocks that have been at the mercy of the logistics and rail infrastructure in the country, and they've had some of their worst performances because of factors that they've been unable to do anything about. So we are grateful for the banking sector, and we're grateful that companies like Capitec continue to do well. I mean, Capitec, I remember giving it out uh, as a stock pick. I think I was chatting to Zanati, not to you, mm. around... April-ish of this year, we were at around 1,300 Rand, maybe um, 1,004, 1,005, that range. And we, I think from the 1,300 Rand lows to where we are now, we're up almost 40% there as well. So this, they've had a really robust second half of the year. Uh, and the first half of the year also wasn't the worst. I think we were coming off of a lot of what happened in 2022. And then the start of the year happens and you get a new war. And it's like, okay, what are we going to get into? And then, thankfully, things stabilized sort of by mid-year. And companies started to see turnarounds and swingarounds. And Capitec was one of them. And they, I, I think they're going to, at this point, continue to do well. I mean, the share price now sitting just underneath that 2,000 Rand uh, share. I'm waiting to see if we get a, a Capitec um, share uh, unbundling of sorts. I mean, that, that price relative to their competitors is uh, quite expensive to be able to trade in and out of. So I'm wanting to see if we get something happening on uh, the shares in terms of a share issue or, or a, a share split rather, sorry. Um, I want to move on to Goldfields, but before we move uh, away from Capitec, uh, many people actually, when they say it's a Capitec, said it's too much unsecured lending, uh, their, their clients aren't, uh, you know, a good quality client. They've managed to weather that storm um, very, very well. Capitec at one point, um, and I think the number might be higher now, had 40% of South Africa's population as a Capitec client. Mm. Now, at that point, uh, you can safely say they've achieved critical mass. Mm. Uh, and, and what that means is you're able to reduce your costs because you've got such volumes of people banking with you. But you cannot take away from the management team. Credit to the management team around the unsecured lending, those fears that were there, the acquisition of the business offerings that they're now going to be rolling out. So remember, for the longest part, it's been largely a retail servicing bank with very little business offerings. And now they're stepping up into that space as well. And for the business, if, if anything is to be looked at from a management point of view, it's the amount of effort that they've put into making sure that their provisions are in line. If you think about um, a couple of months ago, we got a couple of uh, reports from, I think it was NetBank, Standard Bank, the other competitor mm -hmm. banks, and a lot of them had said provisions that were raised um, were exceeded by 50% or so in some cases, and these provisions are as a result of defaults and those sorts of things. And Capitec was one of the only banks, if, if not the only bank, that came out and said, you know what, our provisions weren't as, worse as, uh, weren't as bad as we thought they would be. Mm -hmm. So we managed that a little 
better than we thought we would. And that's commendable from a management team. And it's, it's why the share price has reacted this way. Now, we don't have much time to me, but I want to touch on Goldfields because gold is having a fantastic time right now. But also Goldfields, that we've got that Anglo Gold JV happening, Solaris Nautis, I think that's coming online now in December. It's been a good, a decent year for this company. Yeah, if you think about uh, January, January to March, we had that big rally on the top 40 where we did about 10% um, up to the end of March. And then we, it was just down w- downhill from there. And we saw a lot of the gold counters benefited from that. But again, the risk that came into the market with the start of the war and you were like, OK, what's going to happen? You know, and now we're seeing a resurgence in gold again. And we saw gold come all the way back down to, I'd say, about a thousand eight hundred dollars. And then in the space of probably a month, maybe a little more than that. It went from a th- around 1,800 to above 1,900. Just this week, we touched $2,100 an ounce on gold. And that's really absolutely going to benefit uh, the likes of gold fields. I mean, the stock is up about, uh, I think, about 50% or about 54% for the year. So, or from... I th- yeah, I'd say from about the January lows of about 170. So the, sh- the share is going to continue to do well if the gold price does well. Um, in the past, I've looked at stocks like Goldfields and Harmony, and there's always been, yes, if the gold price performs well, you're going to do well. But what happens in a down cycle? What happens when the gold price isn't performing well? And that's always a consideration for investors when the stock is so closely linked. Well, that's all we have time for today. Uh, Jimmy, wish we had more time. Thank you so much for this. Uh, it's been fantastic. That was independent analyst uh, Jimmy Moyaha.